Obama in my Dolce Gabbana. Gucci and Prada, baby. I got a lot of the Luciana ain't a problem for Papa. That's all you want then, baby girl. I'm a holla. Because you want to put your feet on my rug, don't you? You really want to put your feet on my rug, don't you? You're in a hurry. Slow down. I don't like how you're acting. Treat you like you're from Milwaukee. Send you Green Bay packing. <laughs> I think I just need to take this time and explain to him exactly what the pimp juice is. Welcome back to the Continue Podcast, everybody. Wow. <laughs> what you? Whatever. Doesn't everybody want a William Shatner reading of Nelly's pimp juice from Nellyville? That's wasn't that? Well, they they do now. I mean, <laughs> I've, I'm I'm crossing it off of my bucket list. There yeah, it is. Exactly. Right it's yeah. it's, it's yeah. taken care of. That's what the Continue Podcast is for, everybody. It's the Continue Podcast <laughs> promise. It's it's bringing you what you would. What you would wish for if you found a genie in a lamp and you were also drunk. Uh, my name it's is like Andrew. the Nintendo seal of approval, but not. <laughs> but, but not. <laughs> it's, it's a golden seal that is just always peeling around the edges. Uh, welcome back to the show that is ostensibly about video games and the things that we love. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and with me, as always are the people who make this show alongside me, and it is also their fault. We have Susan Arndt. <laughs> uh, captain Pike on Discovery is the best Star Trek captain. The end. All right, so, I, like, I, I... Every single time somebody has, over the past six, seven months, said you need to get back into Discovery, they never say why. And then I find out that, like... Pike is some kind of Lothario badass and Tig Nataro's on this show now. Yes. I don't even yes. understand how... I can't reconcile this being the same thing. Uh, yeah, that it, I had, it, yeah, it kind of isn't. It it's honestly, not? Yeah, the first... Se- forget, like, okay, the first season was so you learned people's names, basically. <laughs> That's it. Second season is its, is its own animal. Susan, can I skip the first season? If oh, I want, yeah, totally. I can just. All right, that's <laughs> totally. that's the dispensation Read that I've been looking for. And... Not even here's here's <laughs> ev- literally everything you need to know from the first season. Uh, they have a spore drive that allows them to like instantly anywhere in space, but only one person can operate it. Two, there's a dude on the crew who used to be Klingon, but now he's a human. Don't worry about it. And uh, I'm going to worry about that. That actually worry, sounds like something to worry about. Don't worry about Don't worry about it. It's fine. And three, uh, Captain Georgiou is evil. She's from the Mirror Universe, but she's on our side. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. What's the Mirror right. Universe? Well, uh, never mind. Wait, what? I, what? What's that, freaks? You think... <laughs> You think I should watch it, Freaks? All right. Everybody listening also has a Freaks that appears on their shoulder instead of a little angel and a little devil to help them make decisions, right? Obviously. Yeah. Except for me, it's a bearded Freaks and a not bearded Freaks. Exactly. Guess which one you listen to. Oh, God. Not bearded Freaks. I I turned on an old episode of Next Gen the other day, and it was... It was smooth skin freaks, and I, nope. I was like, no, I'm out. It's I'm out. weird. 
Susan, it's... I told this to I sold this to uh, Dave last episode, but while I was sick, and I was like sick for like three weeks, it was so bad. But basically, the only thing I was self treating with was watching TNG episodes while playing Dead or Alive Extreme 3 on Switch. Perfect combination. There is nothing in the world better than figuring out what treat from the pro shop your volleyball partner needs while looking at Frakes play the trombone. It will make you feel better. <laughs> Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts, how the hell are you? So I am. Deep cuts in <laughs> I am pleased to announce that, uh, that I'm releasing an arcade stick in the shape of my face. It will cost two hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> and it will have a wind jammers, elevator action, and uh, somehow uh, Adam's family pinball on it. I would buy it. <laughs> I would buy it uh, in a second. S- Susan is looking very confused. So, have you not seen the Capcom arcade oh. stick? All right. No. Oh, All right, Susan. Like, no, okay. no, no. All right, you need oh, the yeah. visual aid. Oh, oh. It oh, is. This is this the is the funniest a, fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. It is. It is quite literally. It, it is like something from 2004 escaped. It's worse <laughs> than the chainsaw controller. It's way worse no, than the chainsaw come controller. On. All right. This is this is a real product that I'm about to show you, Susan. I'm gonna send it to you via textual message. Because like when okay. and when you first hear the description of it, you're like, okay, it's a premium arcade stick, official Sanwa buttons. Like they're they're charging a premium for okay. it. It's like, okay, this is kind of cool. Right. And it's like a bunch of Capcom arcade games. So you got Alien vs. Predator. Oh, so it's you like a, it's a plug Fight. and play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, All right. It's okay. the most expensive plug. It's a plug All and right. play that is more expensive than a PlayStation Four or an Xbox. One. It's yeah. <laughs> well, okay. There, <laughs> there are it only looks six. Like the Capcom logo, and it like like it sure looks like the Capcom logo. There are only sixteen games. There are only that is half of the number of games that are in the Street Fighter collection for Switch. And this costs two hundred and thirty dollars. Two hundred no, two hundred and thirty euro. Oh, have they not given it a like a dollar? Have, there amount? is no there is no dollar amount. It is two hundred and thirty euro, which equates to about two hundred and sixty, two hundred and seventy dollars, depending on the exchange rate that day. And like this thing does have the ability to connect to the internet, but it's not like you can expand it with more games. It's just for leaderboards. Why? And and it's what? using Final Burn Alpha, which is just, it's an open source emulator. It's, it's bad made. Wait, it's wait, shitty it's, made. Wait, no, and wait. Okay, it's good for Capcom have, games and Neo Geo games. I have questions. Okay. okay. <laughs> if it connects to the internet, does that mean that you can play against other people? No. Nope, no, just leaderboards. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> And these are these are Super Nintendo era games. These are uh, arcade games. They're arcade yeah. games. They're yeah. arcade games. They're arcade games. And there are some arcade games that have like not been available. Like Alien vs Predator has not been available legitimately A- for years. Sure. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. The the question I'm I'm coming back to most is why. That's a that's okay. That's a really you're, good question. You came to the operative question immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Like, who is this for? And 
there aren't there even is, that many fighting games on it. Like, all right, <laughs> there is in 2004. Let's say it's 2004 or 2005, and you are mad rich because you just sold a hot domain name on GoDaddy.com. <laughs> <laughs> you saw yeah. you saw that dope ass Super Bowl commercial in 2005, and you were like, "I'm gonna make." fat stacks of cash by hopping on bladetrinity.com <laughs> and you, you sell it to New Line Cinema and you have some money and you think to yourself, I'm going to use this because it's 2005, I'm going to buy all of the McF Todd McFarlane action figures I never got to get and I'll just see what else they have at Electronics Boutique that is really expensive. That's the person <laughs> that buys this. I don't Okay, I, I. It's so antiquated and bizarre. It's well, ugly. It's yeah. ugly. It's like, really okay. Bad. It's not. It's not cute, right? Like it's not cute. It's not cool. Nope. If it was a compilation of Capcom fighting games, yes, like arcade perfect fighting games, even if you couldn't play online, I get it. And if it I was do. all of them, if it was like right, everything. Right. Sure. Right. Like it would have to be like a like a you know like if I could set up a nice big monitor in my in my game room basement. I don't have a basement because I live in North Carolina and they don't <laughs> do basements here. But right, and then it's like you plug it in and your friends come over and you. It's like you're at the arcade and you're playing fighting. Cool. Sure. That's not what's happening. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I don't know. I if again if if you told me right now that this was every Capcom arcade game ever. Like, going back to, like, 1982 mm -hmm. all the way up to now. And mm -hmm. it had, like, crazy shit in it. It had, like, Cannon Spike and mm -hmm. uh, the one other game that ran on the uh, Street Fighter 3 engine, Warzard. Yeah, or even even just, like, 50 games of, like, rarities and weird sure. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if it was just every version of Street Fighter. Every version of Street Fighter. Sure. Sure. It's like, at but, this point... Just spend the three hundred dollars or the hundred and fifty when it's on sale to get that like quarter cab that's yeah. like looks authentic like a Street Fighter cabinet and it right. actually has like five Street Fighter games on it. Right. Like just uh, or or it's, you know uh, it's bad. It's bad. It's very it's very it's, bad. It's bad. Uh, Capcom is a baffling company. <laughs> yeah. But they, at least they're making really, really good stuff again. Sometimes. Uh, so let's let's talk about other flummoxing video game companies. <laughs> let's 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 open today's show with discussion about some very strange choices. I am I'm gonna before we even get into it, I'm just gonna say I don't think that these are bad choices necessarily. No. Just what are you unusual about? They're, ones. They're they're putting Persona on Switch. They sure are. They're doing it. They right? sure are. That's what this I, is I, some I, monkey's paw shit happening right here. <laughs> all right, Susan, walk us through all of the Persona announcements because there are, there are multiple, and the fact that they're happening simultaneously confuses the shit out of me. Okay, well, are we are we talking about the thing that led up to this? What yes. Are we, like, so okay. there 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 so, are two Persona games right. called Persona Five. Right. <laughs> God. All right. So what Atlas has traditionally done with Persona games mm -hmm. is they come out with the main version and then there is a second version that has some stuff added to it and it is uh, often on a different platform. Like Persona 4 went from PS3 to 
Vita. So the thinking was Persona 5 would be coming to Switch. Same deal. Like, it's the same game, but there's some upgrades. There's maybe a little bit new content, new romance possibility, whatever. That's the thinking. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, what Atlas did <laughs> was they... They did a series of announcements about announcements. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is already, you're already on a bad foot here. Which is, uh, like, is already such a great troll, I, I can't really even be mad about it. <laughs> and then everybody is thinking, okay, well, you know, this has got to be it. This has got to be, it's going to be on Switch. They've it's registered like a domain name they that did. is P5S. S, right. P5S. So everybody, everybody makes the natural assumption this is going to be, you know, Persona 5 special or Persona 5 whatever. They will come up with some name to distinguish it from the original version. Oh, oh, but no. No, 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 no. Persona is now going to be a Musu game. It is a Dynasty Warriors game. It is a Dynasty War. It's basically the same thing they did with Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you're going to be Joker. And don't forget, Joker is also in Smash Brothers, so there's that whole <laughs> hype, like, oh my god, they're starting to do this! They announced this 24 hours after announcing an actual proper re-release of Persona 5 called Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. That is... Only that for PS4. Only on PlayStation 4, where the game is already available and, and has been and, suffered through by yeah, people. Yeah, and I don't... And it they, and there, there's no there's no nothing right. It's like it's just so there's a new lady. There's a okay. new there's a new phantom thief. And I think they 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 have like a section. They flesh out the section between like Christmas and April or something. Yeah, so like, they, like, they add some okay. stuff. And there is they have not gone into detail about this, but they said that they are overhauling the dungeons, which is great news for anybody who remembers the last. 35 hours of Persona <laughs> yeah. So let, here's hoping the overhauling the dungeons means cutting yeah, just, uh, about half out of either of the last two. At least. Because they're terrible. Yeah. They're such a the, the, the boat is the such boat. a slog. It's so, the boat oh, is it's miserable. Such yeah, it all, they almost lost slog. me. I honestly think that, you know, like, as I've thought about it in the, you know, like, two years since that game came out now, mm-hmm. I think more fondly of the final dungeon like in my head the final dungeon was miserable and it was just like boss fight boss fight boss fight for like six hours and i was like wait a second would i have thought that was so bad if i hadn't had to spend 10 hours going down the same cramped cruise ship hallway over and and over and over again oh my god it sucked so bad no the last Okay, so the problem with the last dungeon is those effing puzzles. Yeah, they have the puzzles. Like, okay, the, like the first one, it's like, oh, okay, I gotta do this puzzle to open the door, and that's actually kind of interesting. Oh, did you like that? Let's do it about five more times. Yeah, yeah. Sweet, that's cool. <laughs> and it's just, it's so not fun, and it's not interesting, and it's like, after, like, how interesting the rest of the game is. You get, and Once you get to the final fight, it's actually really cool. Right. But... So yeah. that's so, but so so yeah. So we ain't getting that on Switch. We're getting instead. Hit the button. Just hit the button. Yeah, just hit yeah. the button. Yeah, just hit do the it. Button. Do it. Hit it over and over again. <laughs> I'm, I am in. 
Are you still <laughs> yeah, hitting yeah, the button? Dave, Dave's all about hitting that button. Are you still? Oh, you gotta hit. Okay, wait. You gotta oh, hit more. Pick up that meat croquette. Eat it. Eat Good. the meat croquette. Hit the button some more. Eat it. No, the, yeah, but then the if you get to do the special attack, if you get knocked in the air, you gotta you gotta hit the shoulder button to to recover in the air. It's two buttons. It's three. It's three. It's three. There's the special. So you can play. Yeah, okay. You can play it with a traditional old U.S. Sega Genesis controller. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. Which I mean, okay. If you if you enjoy those kinds of games, I do not fault you for that. Cool. Right. I'm not enthusiastic about this. It is such a profound misreading of the oh. room. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Although, like, how... I will have to say, like, yes, Atlas egged this on with the announcements of the announcements, and, like, here's the date that we're gonna announce this. It's like, just say it. Dude, you know people are, like, losing their minds about it. But I gotta say, some of this is on the Switch people, too, because the Switch people have been, like, frothing at the mouth about literally everything. Ah, I I don't know, man. I... Okay. It's... It's... Here, here is why I think this one is so brazenly tone deaf. Is a Nintendo and Atlas in tandem with Nintendo have spent the last, really at this point, six or seven years identifying Nintendo's handhelds as being the true haven of Japanese role playing games. Right. It's true. And they've had enormous success there. Octopath Traveler moves 250,000 copies in, within a week of release. And Fi- is a bad game. And is a bad game. Well, yeah. And I agree. <laughs> but, like, you know, Fire Emblem Awakening, Fire Emblem Echoes, Fire all of these Fire Emblem games for the 3DS, killing it. Hundreds of thousands of sales for what is otherwise a modest game. And same thing with these Atlas games. Uh, Shin Megami Tensai 4 comes out for 3DS and does so well that they're like, fuck, we're, we're going to make Shin Megami Tensai 4 2. Uh, Persona Q. Persona Q 2. Persona Q 2. They, they, they just really do well on this machine. And Atlas has started to say, why don't we support Nintendo with original things? And they do Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which did very well, even on Wii U, which uh, 30% of the Wii U ownership is on this show right now. <laughs> <laughs> and we all bought Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And we all yeah, bought so. Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yeah. And, like, it does so well that they say uh, Shin Megami Tensai Five is going to be Nintendo Switch exclusive. So when you have this being the the sort of ecosystem that you have cultivated over the course of half a decade and more, and then tease over the course of a year, here's a URL for a game called P5S, <laughs> and then your big first guest character announcement as DLC for your yeah. signature game on the platform is Joker in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. That says something is that that's that's a promise. Yeah. That would that would yeah. be like one one person in a couple being like, I wonder what your ring preferences are, huh? You, yeah. you I wonder I wonder what your <laughs> ring size is. And then you show up with a fucking ring pop. Like yeah. that's yeah. it's 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 not it, it's a little disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah, like Gamers are the first people to read stuff between the lines that is really not there. 
not only was it there in this situation, it was in six foot high neon lights. Yeah. With big arrows pointing to it. Yeah. And there have been people I, I've seen this dialogue going around that's like, oh, well, Sony uh, has exclusive rights to the mainline Persona games. I have not been able to corroborate this. I think that's anywhere. just where they've historically ended up. But I mean, what, but what, I don't who cares? I don't know if that has to do. But yeah, like, I don't know if that just has to do with that's the platform they develop for or if there's an agreement there. Because right. the if there's an agreement, why wouldn't they have said that? A long time ago. Yeah. We would love to bring it to Switch. We yeah. are, but we are, you know, committed to PlayStation, blah, 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 blah. Done. Clean. Very clean. Uh, and and they're, they're, Sega especially, which is, if people don't remember, Atlas's parent company these days, Sega is usually very brazen uh, and, and open about their publishing strategies. You know, uh, not that, not that long ago, somebody asked them, oh, are, are you going to put the Yakuza games on Nintendo Switch, since you're also bringing them out to PC these days, things like Yakuza Zero that could easily be, you know, uh, ported over to that platform, and they were like, "No, you know, not right now." Uh, we tried to put Yakuza One and Two HD on, the on Wii, U. Wii U, and they, they <laughs> sold the, five copies. And the official number is it sold five thousand copies total in Japan. Ooh. Think about that. That's a retail Ooh. release. Yeesh. It is going to be such a collector's item. It is Ooh. going to be. Yeah, but like, you know, the point of that little side tangent is that Sega is not shy yeah. about, you know, sharing its publishing strategies. This whole thing is just weird. It's just weird. And as I I enjoy me a Dynasty Warriors game, I, I like them a lot. I enjoyed that uh, Hyrule Warriors. Uh, and I think Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, which was one of the first Switch games to come out, was really well made. That was a it was a good game. It felt yeah. very Fire Emblem-y. But at the exact same time, uh, man, there are too many of these things. <laughs> it's I I I feel stuffed. I, I couldn't have another bite, Omega Force, of your of your many hundreds of soldiers games. Uh, Susan, you're not gonna play it, are you? You know, no, no probably you're... not. No, probably not. Uh, maybe, but I mean, because I didn't think I was going to enjoy Persona Q. Right. And right. I, uh, it ends up being one of my favorites in the entire extended franchise. What I, what I, <laughs> I appreciate that they try to take this property that they have and move it into unusual directions. Sure. Like we got Dancing All Night, which is a great game. Yeah. And the other dancing game. Great. The Fine. fighting games. The two fighting games. The fighting games. Like, they're trying different things with this distinct set of characters, this distinct universe, this distinct art style, the music. Cool. Fabulous. I respect that and appreciate it. What I... That's Chloe. <laughs> what, I don't, what I don't get is being so... Dis... Either just just not tied to your audience or confused or what to think this was a good move. Yeah. yeah. That's what I don't get. Yeah, like making the game fine. Totally. Yeah. I, I, that's great. You had to know this was going to go to yeah. people. And if you didn't know that what's broken, yeah. cause 
that's obvious. It's very strange that Persona 5 Royal would be PlayStation 4 only, especially because, you know, like, it's not like there isn't precedent for that. You know, Persona 3 was followed by Persona Fez, but it's hard to, you know, at this point, you have to remember that Persona 3 and Persona Fez came out in the mid-aughts around yeah. the time that that rich guy made his GoDaddy money and bought the Capcom <laughs> <laughs> stick. That's when those games came out. There was no such thing as downloadable content for, for console games. And they very quickly pivoted from that model. Persona 3 turned into Persona 3 Portable. Persona 4 into, like you were saying, Susan, Persona 4 Golden. Finding a, a new audience uh, in a different venue to reapproach that game. I am... <laughs> this podcast is also made up of people who are perfectly happy to buy a game more than once. That's, uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. We, I, Susan, you had how many copies of Elder Scrolls. Shut up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Dave, Dave, how many times have you purchased Final Fantasy X? Stop it. Just don't. Uh, this is my point. You know, we're all <laughs> yeah. happy to do this, but I I am not going to play Persona 5 on a PlayStation 4 again. No. I, I did my time. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is the other thing. When, for Persona 3 and Persona 4, Atlas Games also had a reputation of being extremely scarce. Mm. They would do a run, and that was it. It, yeah. If you didn't get it when that game came out, you had a really hard time finding it. You can get Persona 5 right now. For it's a, actually part of the PlayStation <laughs> Hits collection. Yeah. It's $20. Yep. Yeah. Why would you get this? I don't understand. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I also think, like, like, and who's to say that there isn't a Switch version in the pipeline somewhere. Sure. It's just Atlas. Atlas is a like historically notoriously slow company to react to things. Like Persona 4 came out a year into the PS3's lifetime. Like it was a PS2 game that I think only really caught on uh, as much as it did because the PS3s at the time were backwards compatible. And like for the longest time, Persona 5 was only a PS3 game. And again, I think that that only caught on because they took the extra year and a half or whatever to put it on PS4. Uh, so, you know, maybe we will see a Switch version two years from now. <laughs> like, like the, 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 the Royal isn't even coming out here until like six to nine months after, yeah. you know, the Japanese version comes out. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. They are a strange company that just goes at their own pace and people just get angry, and they're like, uh. "Well, Su- Susan and I, Susan and I had a back and forth about this on Twitter. I, I'm just going to state it once more for the record: If Atlas made an announcement tomorrow that's just we're going to port every Vita game we ever published to Nintendo Switch, I'm talking Persona 4 Golden, both of the dancing games. I'm talking Catherine Full Body." Dragon's Crown, that Odin Sphere HD, I'd buy them all. I would take yep. out a loan. I yep. would go to the bank. <laughs> I would say, Wells Fargo, here's my collateral. Let's yep. talk loan. Larry, you're not going to college. Sorry. Long. Done. Done. I. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, there's, there is such an audience for the type of game that Atlas makes on Switch right now yeah yeah uh yeah it's baffling it's so weird i I just i just don't get it i just don't i don't get it i don't get it 
Are you playing Q2? Susan, you're going to play Persona oh, 4? Uh, Persona Q2? I mean, I will once, yeah. once it comes out. Yes. I'm excited yes. about that game. Heck to the yeah. I... I, I, I'm not like you and I talked about this when Persona Q came out way long ago. It's weird how long ago that was at this point. Um, I, I'm not like a dungeon exploration guy. I don't think you're a dungeon exploration guy either. Like, you know, we didn't both of us were like, eh, this isn't what I want for Persona. And both of us ended up loving it, except for the end. Uh, that final. I never dun- finished it. Actually, yeah. that's because never the final dungeon it. push is a nightmare. Yes, the final yeah. dungeon push is a nightmare. But yeah. I am now that like Atlas is sort of bringing home its 3ds life to roost. They just put out the final Etrian Odyssey as well. Mm-hmm. I I think I'm gonna finally try one of those games and Persona Q. I'm like gonna get the last of it. Out I, of my I system. you know what? Because of Persona Q, for for those who don't know, Persona Q is. It takes the cast and aesthetic of Persona and the gameplay of Etrian Odyssey games and melds them. Yeah. So you're kind of playing a Persona game, but you also have to like draw your map and, and do that whole thing, which I grew to love. Hmm. I did not expect to love actually marking out the map and you know covering every single square of it to get 100%. I loved that. That became very addictive to me. I tried an Etrian Odyssey game, hated it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've always steered away from those games because I know that they completely de-emphasize character. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I'm not expecting deep story from these things, but I need uh, a little personality to latch on to. Otherwise, uh, I'm kind of out. But I, I don't know. I, they're so. I've got to see what's there. I've got to know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've got to. Yeah. I got to give it a try. Um, Dave Roberts. Yes. You know, now that you 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 you've been doing some things, you're playing Final Fantasy X. But yeah, I just again, got my copy today. Actually, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get back from, in there from but Asia. You're you're trying some some different things these days. You're, yeah. Diving back into board game town. Yeah. And uh, you are discovering the joys of persistent board games. We're jumping from role-playing games of one stripe to a very different kind. Yeah, so I've been getting really into uh, legacy-style games, which, um, if you don't know, uh, the term originated with the game uh, Risk Legacy, created by Rob Daviau, who took the framework of Risk and like, th- there's a quote on Wikipedia where he's like, uh, he was thinking about Clue, and he's like, why do these guests get together every night for dinner, <laughs> knowing that one of them is a murderer? And so he actually like, uh, he actually pitched, one of them is Tim Curry. Yeah, every one of them time. is Tim Curry. Uh, one of them is a plant. Anyway, so they Hasbro wouldn't give him the rights to use Clue, but they did say, hey, you can do something with Risk. So he took huh. Risk. Uh, change the framework so it's a game that you can play in like two hour chunks rather than a six hour, you know, stalemate over Australia. And <laughs> every game, something about the game changes. So what'll happen is uh, each player picks a unique faction and the, there are sticker sheets. You pick one ability from the sticker sheet, you put it on the faction, you throw the other one away. Hmm. You will never use that ability in your copy of Risk Legacy. Uh, you'll look at the the box and there are like little boxes that are covered with conditions on them, little decks of cards that are covered with conditions. Like one of them says, 
hey, open this deck once a major city is on the board. But you're like, you're looking for the oh. rules, like, where the hell is the major city? And the rules even say, like, you haven't unlocked that yet. And you're like, oh. That, so, so yeah, the, like, the game is just meant to be, it's meant to be written on as you win games. You write your name on cities, put stickers on, rip cards, like, literally destroy components of the game so after 15 games this thing has evolved into something that is unique to your play group that's so now, cool yeah and it's super cool i played it back in 2011 played a few games this is before i ended up moving so i was never able to finish it. and i thought it was cool but it did feel a little like a gimmick uh especially because like the risk is just inherently kind of weirdly unbalanced um so I wasn't sure if they were ever going to make something like this again. And then Rob Daviau, uh, a few years later, made Pandemic Legacy. And it is incredible. Um, so uh, have you guys played Pandemic at all? I have played half. I've played a session of Pandemic. But it was like, you know, when you get together a board game group and you're all kind of invested in the game. And there's like a make or break moment when you get together with people in a tabletop session. Yeah. It's either you're going to become like really into the game or you're just going to become more interested in your conversation. Yeah. And pandemic fell apart on us. Like it was no fault of the game. I thought it was really, really interesting. I like the rules in pandemic. But yeah, it is very much for the kind of people who like to solve a puzzle together. Yes. Because that's what Pandemic is. You're, you're not playing against each other. Yeah, you're playing pan- against the game. So, yeah, so basically the way it works is you have four different viruses that are spread around the board based on these cards that get flipped over. And each player play, plays a, a member of the CDC. Uh, each one has a different role, so you have different abilities. Like the medic is really good. Uh, rather than taking multiple actions to cure disease cubes in a town, um, they, they'll be able to cure all disease cubes in, uh, in one action. And you only get four actions per turn, which includes moving, curing diseases, playing cards, uh, etc. And so all of you are trying to work together. Other players can't move you, but they can kind of like, hey, look, if you go here on my next turn, I can do this. So you're like trying to solve this puzzle together because what happens is as you're playing, you're moving, you're curing diseases, you pick up cards one of those cards could be an epidemic card, which means all of the disease cards that have been drawn so far in the game, you add one more card to it, you shuffle it back up, you put it on the top of the deck. So mm-hmm. now when you're drawing, you're drawing from cities that already have disease cubes on them, which means that there's a chance that you're going to get an outbreak, which means additional disease cubes move to more cities. And the more outbreaks that happen, more chain reactions can happen. And if there are too many disease cubes on the board or too many outbreaks happen, you lose the game. The world is dead. Like everyone's just fucking diseased and it's over. But what you're trying to do is you work together to take cards to, uh, once you get five cards of a certain color and you're at one of your bases, you can turn them in and cure a disease. So now it's easier to get rid of that disease. And once you get rid of all the diseases, it's eradicated, which means it never shows up in the game again. It's a really cool puzzle. And it's like, I think, I think it's something that you, and like, if you just want to play with you and Russ, it's like a, it's a perfect two player game. It's, really? Yeah, it's like it's like like a puzzle game, but a board game. Like it's it's really cool. There's not like there's not really much like it. So what Pandemic Legacy does is it adds this layer of permanence to the game. So there's the special deck of cards, 
Oh, wait, so that's just regular pandemic. That's regular, that's yeah. regular pandemic. Okay. So what Legacy okay. does is it gives you the special deck of cards that have different conditions on them. So like one card will say, flip over when you start game one. So you flip it over. And it gives you kind of the general story overview. Like, hey, there are some diseases. Everything's fine. It's under control. Just go around your objective. Cure all four diseases. Like a normal game of pandemic. Okay. Halfway through, I'm going to spoil only the first game because other stuff happens as you play them about five games in. You flip over about halfway through the game. It says, count up uh, the disease cubes on the board. Whichever disease has the most cubes on the board, it's a, it's a mutated strain. You can no longer cure this disease using normal methods. Wow. Oh, no. Continue, oh, no. continue curing the other three diseases on the board. So once you cure those diseases, the game is over and you win. And winning uh, or completing a game gets you objectives. Winning gets you a special uh, or gets you upgrades. Winning gets you a special upgrade that you only get for, for winning. But those upgrades you can use to give your characters additional abilities. You can, if you eradicate a disease, you can put a special disease upgrade, which makes that disease even easier to cure in future games. But the thing is, is you're also fighting against the game because each new game adds a new wrinkle, like new buildings or new characters or new tweaks to how the disease reacts to your actions. And it's just, it's, it's phenomenal because you're no longer are you thinking on a game-to-game basis, you're now thinking about what your actions could mean further, like like five, six games in. Because huh. like you'll have a character, you're like, well, okay, so if I upgrade the medic with this ability, um, he won't get scarred if he's in a city where an outbreak happens. Because your characters, if they're in a city when there's an outbreak, they'll get a scar, which gives them a negative ability. If they get two scars, they're dead. You can never use them again. That's awesome. Holy uh, shit. Wow. Yeah. It's and so you're also thinking like, okay, so if we eradicate this disease, we will get a special bonus in every future game uh, forward from here. But this city that's two cities over, like is like literally about to outbreak. I know there's a card that's going to come up. We have to go get it. So you have to like sacrifice. Like, do I want future games to be easier by doing these things or do I want to cure things in the moment because when cities outbreak, they also become more and more unstable, which makes it harder and harder to travel into and out of them to cure them. It's Dave, is there, is there an overall like meta goal? Because the only one of these persistent board games that I've messed around with is one that you're also digging into called Gloomhaven. Yeah. And Gloomhaven is... Uh, sort of like the perfect blending of a, a very curated Dungeons and Dragons session. It yeah. has all of the trappings of a traditional D&D style role playing game, but with like the structure that you would see in a video game. Yeah, it's basically like if they made Skyrim uh, a if, video game. So like yeah, or, or Skyrim into a tabletop game. But like yeah. there is there is an overall goal in Gloomhaven. Because Gloomhaven has some of the, the same uh, characteristics as Pandemic, based on your description. Your character that you have can vanish, and eventually they will. Like, if you succeed, yeah. you can no longer use that character. And if they're killed, you can no longer use that character. Well, but, that's if, it, well, if you're playing with permadeath, that's how right, that works. If you're, but if you're like, playing with permadeath. But yeah, like the, those characters will retire, uh, which means that you can't use that character anymore, but you unlock 
more characters characters to play as. Yeah. And what you do as you adventure and complete quests and meet new characters and open up different sections of the map is your, you know, not just leveling and keeping your characters growing, you're unlocking what's called like prosperity points. Yeah. And you're trying to fill this grand prosperity meter and it's huge. Like it should take you, you know, ostensibly months or even years of playing if you're doing it infrequently to get them all. But like there's a win state, like you can win Gloomhaven uh, and continue playing even in the board game. I know that sounds like a weird thing in a board game. Is Does Pandemic have something like that? So, is there like an ultimate win scenario? So so no, because uh, well, Pandemic is less about like this ultimate goal and more like here is the hardest year humanity has ever had to experience. <laughs> and you start in January. And so you basically, each month you have you have the opportunity to play up to two games. So what you'll have is uh, you start basically the first half of January, you play the month for January. If you win, you uh, move to February. You also, like, if you win, you remove some bonus cards. If you lose, you add bonus cards back into Mm -hmm. the deck to make things easier or harder. Basically, the CDC is like, eh, you got this in hand. We're (laughs) going to cut your funding a little bit. Um but if you lose that first game in January, you play that same again game again uh, the second half of January. If you lose again, like that's it. You just move to February hmm. and you keep going. But um, the goal is just to ride it out to December. Yeah. Like you basically play either twelve to twenty four games, and the objectives shift and change as the months progress. Like, I was actually it, reading about Pandemic Legacy and the fact that if you get to December, no matter what, you lose because the box opens up and you just hear, Long December, and there's reason <laughs> wow, to wow. believe maybe wow, this wow, year little, will be... <laughs> it's like those wow. greeting card sound Yeah, the, chips, there, uh, there's a little duritz that comes out of one of the, the disease cubes. Geez. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, and the idea is that when they first made this game, it was just going to be this like standalone thing, but they've since kind of retconned the ending of game one because there's a pandemic legacy season two oh, that shit. takes place decades into the future, and it plays kind of the same but completely different from actual pandemic. Can you carry anything over from your... No, it's a standalone game, but it is like where Pandemic Legacy Season 1 is about trying to save humanity and like jumping around the map. Pandemic Legacy 2 is like, what if like humanity like succumbed to these diseases? Now we have to re-explore Earth and find these cities that have been cut off from like the rest of the world. Yeah. And so like the map that you start with, um, in, in pandemic legacy two, I've seen like, I haven't seen like what it looks like filled in, but it's like practically empty. You basically have like Europe and a little bit of Africa and the rest is just blue. And so like, eventually I'm guessing that what you'll do as you play the game, you'll have stickers that fill in the rest of the map on the board. Hmm. It's hmm. man, it's it's wild stuff. Like I don't know necessarily if it if it should work for all games, but I really want more games to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to see I want to see what designers do 
with like tried and true formulas and apply that level of like video gamey persistence and permanence to it. Uh, because you can't go back on a save. You, this is your board. That's it. And once you're done, like either you play a game using that state or you throw it away and start all over. Like it's kind of like it feels like like performance art in a way, mm. like performance art from the game designer who is telling you, OK, sit down, play the story out based on this like machine that I've concocted for you. Um, and it captures some of that magic that you get from traditional tabletop role playing and brings it over into a more structured sort yeah. of contained setting. That's what I, I it, it seems like this is a little bit easier to approach for people rather than an extended D&D campaign or, yeah. you know, insert RPG name. Especially here. when you've got a game like Pan- uh, Pandemic, which is like, well, you know, it's not like Monopoly known. But it's it's a household name among like board game people. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like pandemics, like up there with Catan these days as like you know. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not like, I'm not I'm not so, a board game person, but I've been around pandemic. Like yeah, I know so, that. So you have people that understand like how this game is supposed to work, and then you take that familiarity and you do cool things with it. Like mm. that's man, fucking Gloomhaven. They that there is a board in it. That does nothing but carry stickers to show you what you've unlocked on the world map. <laughs> it's it, how, how, you, how big is the box? Have, 40 I have the pounds? box right here. How, it's so huge, it's so big. It's this. Good God! It's Twenty pounds. Like it's, but it doesn't feel like muchness for muchness's sake. Yeah, like everything mm-hmm. feels like like it's Purposeful. all. It's yeah. Like and and you have. Like, Plus, like it just it, it combines like my favorite thing about board games, which is opening all the pieces and punching them out. Like who doesn't love that? Like and you make that into a game. But like I, I've been thinking about like a friend of mine and, and I at work, like uh, he's into board games too, and we've been talking like, what if they made Twilight Imperium like a legacy game where you have this big epic space battle for galactic domination, like strategic stuff between people, politicking, That'd be cool. but. Then, like halfway through your fifteen-game session, it changes from a game of competition to an alien race teleports in, and changes it from a competitive game to a cooperative game. Like, just thinking of ways that designers can take these things and and, and tweak them in in ways that like leave lasting experiences for players beyond just a single game. I think is it's just one of the coolest things in board games right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Man. I love it. Susan, you you are regularly participate in long lasting RPG games. Like you, yeah, sure, you play D and D with folks. Mm-hmm. Does does this sound like too lightweight for someone like you? Does this sound like like it would be a step back for somebody that's really immersed in proper role playing? It it depends on the person because we all know that person who's really into the. Yeah, I know. I know right? that guy. I know that guy. You know that guy. Um, but like, for example, the the group that I'm playing with right now, most of them are inexperienced. If this is not their first game, it is perhaps their second. Mm. So they they very much want to play, but they don't really know how to yet. And it's we kind of forget that it's tough for a lot of people to just jump on into role playing. Oh yeah. It's like, well, what do you mean I'm an elf? <laughs> what do, what do I do? Well, what would you want to do? Yeah. 
I don't know. What else? You know, they, they really have a hard time getting past that, that barrier. So I think starting them off with role play that's adjacent to real life, Mm. like something like a pandemic situation, like, okay, y'all understand you want to cure disease, right? That you can get your head around. And then segueing from that to a Gloomhaven type of situation, because then it's the gameplay, the idea of persistence is carrying them along, right? Like, okay, I don't know what this is. Like, okay, so for pandemic, I don't know how, how this gameplay works, but I understand wanting to cure disease. Mm. I can get my head around that. Cool. You play pandemic for a little while, and now you understand the gameplay mechanism of permanence and stuff that changes over time and all of that. Great. Then that's your gateway into a Gloomhaven. Okay, oh, this, this game has that? It has that kind of permanent stuff? Okay, I know how to do that. We did that in Pandemic. Oh, but now I'm fighting dragons and doing whatever. Like, okay, I'm not, okay, right? Like, it's giving people who are unfamiliar with stuff an entry point that they can understand and relate to mm. makes the rest of it feel less daunting. Because mm. nobody likes looking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody likes feeling stupid. Or feeling lost, like they're doing it wrong. Feeling lost. Right. And like everybody else gets this but me. You never – and I mean it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a way to get people to try something they've never, never tried before because it seemed to not like them. And that's the other thing is a lot of people have this – because of things like really stupid skits on Saturday Night Live, they think <laughs> they know – what role-playing games are like and they can be that yeah but they don't have to yeah right like if you want to model your character after a character on your favorite tv show or a book or a movie who cares go for it do whatever helps yeah Yeah. right and and the cool thing about gloomhaven too is that it doesn't like it doesn't beat you over the head with its lore right away like there's the instruction manual you start with the first scenario you don't even know what the characters are until you unlock like until you unlock one of the first six um, character classes and you read the back and you're like, oh, that's what my character is. I didn't know these guys were here, but cool. And the more you play, the more you learn about like the way that the world works. Whereas like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it's just this endless possibility space that you're like, okay, well, I don't know. How do I dive into this? Yeah. Yeah. So, and especially if you're playing with people who do know D and D and they're like, Oh, it's an owlbear. Susan, it's crazy. Listening to you talk about like how to really invite people into the role playing experience. I have never in my life had a desire to make a tabletop role playing game, but hearing you say, like, nobody ever wants to feel like they don't know what's happening. They want to have fun and a good time. All of a sudden, it just occurred to me, like, what if I built a game where they didn't? And what if I just made a Twin Peaks tabletop role-playing oh, game? Jesus. <laughs> and it's just like, everybody be fucking alienating as possible. <laughs> And the dungeon master's entire goal is to just make you confused. Yeah. And I rolled a twenty. What a, I rolled a twenty. What does that mean? What do you think it means? <laughs> I would love. I would, like you have like the the dungeon master's like screen. Mm-hmm. It's like I rolled a twenty, and then you look over it and be like, 
go look in the mirror for 30 minutes <laughs> and then come back to the table. <laughs> Here, I'm going to, hold on. Here's an old Walkman. The batteries are almost dead, so the table play real slow. There's a Miles Davis bootleg in there. I want you to go put this, listen to that, and sit in a car by yourself. All this comes in the box. All of it's in the box. God, that's Anthony the game oh, right there. That's awesome. We're going to kickstart this shit, guys. This is going to be... It's a it's a role-playing revolution. Uh, look, everyone, before we move into our third segment, I wanted to actually go through our shout-outs, our, our social like, follow, subscribe, all that rigmarole, so we can just get it out of the way and roll into the last section of the podcast for today, because I think that there are some people who are listening, this is coming out on Monday, April 29th, it's entirely possible that you have not seen Avengers Endgame yet, and... We are going to talk about it, and just spoilers be damned. We we're gonna just gonna talk about every aspect of the movie because Susan and I have questions. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we're gonna roll into that. Before we do, here is just the whole shebang. This is a backer-funded show. We are so grateful for those who do back us. You go to patreon.com slash continue podcast. If you can spare $1, that makes sure that we can continue to cut time out of our lives so that our mutual spouses aren't like, what are you doing? And <laughs> can continue to do this for you. If you do not have a dollar to spare, we completely understand what that is like. Please share the show with people. Just give it to a friend. Give it to your parent, your siblings, your kids, provided they're like, I don't know. Make sure they're like over five. Make sure they're cool. Make sure they're cool. Make sure they're cool. Ask your kid if they're cool and only then can they have the show. Uh, Or leave us a review on iTunes. Leaving us a review on iTunes. Leaving us a review on Spotify. uh, Those things really help keep the show visible for people who search for it. If you say to a friend, hey, go listen to Continue Podcast, when they search for it, the more positive reviews we have, the more likely it is to appear in their podcast service of choice. So please do that. You can also follow us on twitter.com slash continue pod. You can follow me at a John Agnello. You can find me every single day at escapistmagazine.com. Susan, where can the people find you? Oh, you can find me on the Twitters at Susan Arndt. Uh, I do enjoy the discourse. <laughs> the discourse. Uh, anybody who backs the show at the $5 level is also able to access our Discord. That is a super fun place where we hang out all day. It's just like a really, really like lovely community. Uh, Dave, where can people find you? You can find me uh, on the Joe Biden roast zone. Oh, uh, shit! Oh! <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave slowly on, smells people's hair, too! On, 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 uh, on Twitter, at David Robots. <laughs> God, I fucking that guy. That guy. That fucking guy. Uh, anyway, ev- everybody, thank uh, you so much. We love you. I need you. to do the shout outs. Oh yeah. Well, we're uh, I was getting okay. there. I was okay, saying I, did, I didn't know I was you doing it. We're we're going through. We're doing. We're we're flying with a different rhythm this time. Did, okay. All right. People See, who back us. Off. Yeah. People who back us at ten dollars and up, they get a little. Uh, they get some love. Yes. From Dave so Roberts. Special shout outs to. Ryan Brady, Nick Grugan, Double Taco, Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven, Ryan Mance, Derek Sanskrit, and blah, blah, blah. 
I can't even talk today. Adam Condra, Matthew Peters, Michael Coffey, Thierry Belair, Eric Van Quill, The Fancy Manatee, Denton Brock, Elliot Dare, Ludwig Kidsman, Stormshot, Frank Sands, Kalen Houston, Axel Olsen Mangholt, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Bullet Bobong, Daniel Squire, and Tom. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Everyone, don't worry. We'll we will also put in the show notes when the back the actual backers section will start. There still is a backer section today, but for now, let's get into our third segment. Spoilers on. That's a spoiler song. Alright, who's Alright. Alright. So here's what we know at the end of Avengers Endgame. Captain America and Peggy Carter watch Captain America fuck their niece. That's what we know about. True. Okay. That's not no. Yes, one hundred. Okay, no. Okay. So okay. First off, I'm getting my popcorn because I have no context for any of this, and I'm just gonna let it wash over me. Here here we go, go. Dave. Let me lay it out. Okay. At the end, here is what Avengers Endgame is actually about, and it's pretty impressive that this is what it's about. And you just would not know this from the marketing in any way, shape, or form. It is a time travel movie. It's a straight-up Back to the Future 2 movie. And the way they undo the apocalypse is by going into the past of the old movies to wrench out the MacGuffins and bring them back to their present to wish everyone back into existence. Okay? When they do this... That Tilda Swinton shows up in her Mortal Kombat robes and Tilda Swinton explains how alternate universes form. Very simply, there's a great like visual aid where she explains to the Hulk, if you change this thing in the past, you're not altering your future. You're creating a new tangent timeline. Right. Cool. Great. So she says, look, if you take these powerful infinity stones from our timelines and you remove them, you're going to possibly doom these new timelines. You're going to make them dangerous for them while saving your own. Hulk says, don't worry about it. We're going to come back to all of the alternate timelines we create, return the stone the moment we take them so that everything should effectively be cool. The way they do this at the end of everything when they win the day is they send Captain America back with all of the stones in the time machine. And Captain America's like, it's cool. I'm just going to come back to my own timeline because that's how they figured it out with their suits. They can always return to their own proper timeline. He doesn't come back. Instead, they look over. And all his pals look over and Captain America is an old man feeding the ducks by a river. And he's like, I stayed in the past. I stayed in the past and had myself the good life that I always should have had. And he, it ends with a shot of him dancing with his long lost girlfriend, Peggy Carter, the most famous super spy of the Cold War. Right. But all of this is happening in the same timeline that all of these movies have taken place, right? Which means, somehow, there's an old aging Captain America in the universe at the same time that his thought-out younger self is there, and they just watch him make out with Peggy's niece in Winter Soldier. 
No, they don't, because, first of all, Peggy's dead by then. Eh. Oh, yeah, she dies at the beginning of Winter Soldier. Yeah. Still, it's still gross. <laughs> so Captain also, America, so old Captain America just sits there in Berlin with a cup of coffee, making sure it's all going right. Like, mm, it's okay. No. Go, okay, younger first me. Of all, first of all, it's Peggy's niece. This is no relation. It's inappropriate. To Steve Rogers, wildly, it has nothing wildly to do with inappropriate. <laughs> I'm sure it's that he not. met. I'm sure he met her at uh, some holiday party for the he Carter family. He her at some point. It's, Who cares? It's wildly inappropriate. <laughs> but that's not. It's okay. So what happens? <laughs> Actually, okay. So they go. Does they he go just to not go outside? Susan, you said to me last night that nobody cares about Captain America in 1970. She Ooh. is the person running S.H.I.E.L.D. And they have the super yeah. soldier system. What is he, like, hiding in a gimp suit in her basement? Wait, what are you talking about? No. What? God, Where shut up. Where does your mind go? <laughs> shut up. Look, okay. So, we recall what happens with Captain America. Okay, back in the 40s, World War II, he goes up in a plane and he, and he crashes and he's believed dead. Yeah. Right? Everybody in the world believes that Captain America, Steve Rogers, died mm -hmm. in the 40s. Fine. All right. No, this is 40s? Yeah, 50s, in the 40s. Whatever. And like 40s. It, before the end Fine. of the war. It's like 1943. Okay, perfect. Fine. So he's literally on ice. Okay. Fast forward to 1970. Peggy is now the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. She is working at the same location as Tony Stark's dad and Hank Pym from... The Ant-Man movies. He's the guy mm -hmm. who figures out how to miniaturize things. Mm -hmm. Which is why... He's the guy from Wall Street. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> shut up! God! Okay, this is why they go... So Tony and Cap go back to that particular moment in time because they need Tony's dad and Hank to be in the same place at the same time because they need the little miniatur miniaturization dust mm -hmm. and also the Tesseract... Because they lost it somewhere else. Don't worry about it. They were trying to grab it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. They failed. Oopsie. So now they're in this particular, they're in the S.H.I.E.L.D. base in 1970. Fine. Cap sees Peggy and is like, oh. And she's still clearly pining for him because she has a photo of him mm -hmm. on her desk. Okay. Everybody thinks he did. And also... That was like 25 years ago, so nobody actually gives a fuck, mm -hmm. right? So Except for fine. all the people trying to recreate the super soldier serum in the employ of the government. Because they established that in all the other movies, that they're constantly trying to like recreate Steve Rogers' like, the, the Americans. serum. Yeah, mm. the Americans. Yeah, the Americans. That's mm. the beginning of Ant-Man. They're, they're, that's why Hank Oh, you mean Ant-Man in 1970? Yeah. That's, he is saying to, he and Howard Stark, part of their job is to try and recreate the super soldier serum for S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And that, but then uh, he has to, he, he, he punches Tony's dad and then they both. Boop. Yep. That's true. They're that's not accurate. There yeah. So, okay. So Steve goes back to 1970 uh, to put the, the thing back where it needed to go. He's like, hey, thanks. I borrowed your Tesseract for a little while. Cool. Boop. Puts it back. And it's like, you know what? What if I just hung out? What if I just stayed here for a little while? And was like, hey, Peggy, you want to have dinner? So obviously he approaches Peggy at some point And she's like, wait a minute. Why aren't you dead? He's going to have to tell her the whole thing. Right. 
that's just a fact. But then she's just like cool with it. And then she has to act all surprised when she sees him in Avengers in 2012. Like part of her whole deal is like when you're actually thought out in 2012 and old you exists in a world where younger you is also coming out of the ice. Do you mean old her in the in the hospital? Yeah. No, she no, he, no. He sees her before she's in the hospital. Okay. Yeah, in in Avengers one. Does he? Yeah. Okay, I don't recall that, but I believe you. Wait a second. <laughs> so confused. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, he, so wait, yes, this does not sound like he, when I talk about Metal Gear? This is, is this exactly what, what you sound like. Yeah, okay. yes. this is exactly yes. what you sound okay. like. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, wait. I think you're right, Susan. He doesn't see her on screen until she's on her deathbed. And she has dementia. And she has dementia. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why she's okay with him sleeping with her niece. She it is sleep with her niece. <laughs> it's really in a, Also. It's totally not complete, cool, Cap. <laughs> it's a completely different dude. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good point. It's a completely, yeah. Man, it's so, man. That ending, that ending really threw me <laughs> for a loop. Clearly. Now, now, it, now that actually makes more sense to me, because yeah. I made up a scene. That <laughs> <never> <laughs> As you can see, Dave, this this movie inspires a kind of like weird reaction. So that you walked out of it, you weren't like you weren't like crazy about it, right? You no, you I just mean, enjoyed it's, it. It's 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 really well done. It's very very smart. It comes up with really creative solutions to some pretty big problems. Like, it didn't even occur to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so here's... Okay, so as Anthony indicated, it's a time travel movie. So they start off, they're like, okay, we're going to get the the stones back. We're going to unsnap with Thanos. Fuck it. Let's just go find Thanos, because the problem is they don't know where he is. But then he, he snaps again. He uses the stones again, and they finally know where he is. They're like, okay, everybody, we're going to go get him. This time, we're gonna, we're really going to beat him up. We're going to get that thing back, and we're going to make this all right. They get there. He used the stones to destroy the stones. Yeah. This is the They're first gone. ten minutes of the movie. This is like... This is the... Well, wait, half hour. It's yeah. a very long movie. But, uh, so, they, they find Thanos, and they cut his head off. He's dead. They're like, okay, there's no stones. There's no Thanos. Now what? This is where they get their idea to go back in time and get the stones and... Groovy. Okay, fine. It's time heist. They do all that. It didn't occur to me until it was happening. Wait a minute. Assume they do get all of these stones home Mm -hmm. because that's the the main plot of the movie. There needs to be some kind of conflict at the end. (laughs) But But Thanos is dead. But they fixed that problem. They fixed that really well. Very, very cleverly. And I, I, so I, I appreciate it. it. It was, you always knew what was going on. You knew who was doing what and why. It was funny. It was, it, it may be genuinely emotional at points, but I didn't love it. Mm. I think, I think I've been thinking about it. I'm like, okay, well, what, like, like Black Panther. I love Black Panther. Why do I love Black Panther? Because the undercurrent of Endgame is sorrow. Mm-hmm. It's loss. It's grief. It's it's pain. Yeah. Is is the backbone of that movie? Various flavors of pain, various kinds of pain, but it's pain, and it's really hard to be 
yeah! psyched about pain. And especially uh, about uh, that. Especially because the ultimate, like, literally, like, even when there's victory, it's about, like, all right, deal with your grief. Deal, exactly. deal with your grief and make, like, shape, uh, like, get used to the new shape of your existence no matter what. Right. And that right. that's where the movie starts and that's where it ends, which is kind of... I, like, I, I don't know, a year ago we had this conversation about uh, Infinity War, which was delightful then because Dave was just like, oh, oh my God, I hate these movies. And Susan and I were like, <laughs> we can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it, last year we were like, I can't believe how audacious this movie is. That, like, yeah. they've made this preposterously expensive thing and rather than doing the lowest common denominator crowd pleasing thing, they've made something really weird. And remarkably, they've managed to make something even weirder this time, yeah. Uh, yeah. like aggressively weird. Uh, I mean, again, I, I, I had the same reaction you did, Susan, where I walked out of it and I was like less than satisfied. But, you know, in the in the 48 hours since I can't stop thinking about it, which doesn't usually happen with any movie where mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I'll see it and I'll be like, that was good or it's bad. Like critic brain just happens with this mm -hmm. movie. I'm just constantly replaying parts of it in my head and then playing with the weird logistical questions that it arises. Yeah. Not just. Yeah. So I proposed the um, why is Captain America banging his niece question to Susan uh, yesterday, but I proposed another scenario to you. Dave, you know how Infinity War ends, right? Thanos is like, bah, every, half of all life is wiped yeah, out. Yeah, he, 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 uh, he, he, he's Frieza and he wipes out the planet. He's Frieza. With the planet Vegeta. Yeah, he can't, yeah. He does, he can't, he Kamehameha's everybody and right. everybody's turned Metaphorically into, speaking. So metaphorically, yeah, and, and like you, you get this visual of everybody turning to ash. Yeah. Half of all life, not just humans, not just aliens. All life is halved in a single moment across the universe. And so in this movie, obviously, everybody's like, how are they going to undo it? And they just they literally undo it. They undo it. And there's a moment where it's it's the Hulk snaps his fingers and undoes everything. And everybody rematerializes exactly where they were when they turned to Ash the first time. And, you, like, at the end, it's like Spider-Man and all those people on the on the alien planet where they were when they vanished all come back. So this is half of all life in the universe. Everyone in a car, a plane, a spaceship, a water slide. Everybody who was in a vehicle or in motion is fucking dead they're not wiped out of existence they just bring them back with no consideration of how they will survive i just all i can wait no i'll do you one better dude okay let's imagine there's there's a plane right right there's there's a plane thanos snaps his fingers half the past like five of the passengers disappear sure. let's just say sure do they appear in midair mm -hmm. or on the airplane if it's on the airplane, what if that airplane currently has someone else in that seat? Someone else, they get splinched, Harry Potter style. There's just like right. a body inside another body. Yeah, like you just, What if you that can't plane think, crashed? Right, what if yeah. the pilot... And then yeah. they reappear in the broken, the crashed yeah. airplane. Yeah, exactly. With the like rebar sticking through their stomach. There's some, yeah. 
there's some re- there's there's some logistics that don't work. Like for example, okay, so the the after they kill Thanos, the movie jumps five years, and they're all like, for some reason the streets are all empty and everything's in kind of ruins. It's like Walking Dead they, style. Walking Dead style. They don't have baseball teams anymore. Right. Yeah. There, there's an overhead shot of the Mets stadium, and it's like all overgrown. Yeah. And it's like there are still 3 billion, 3.5 billion people on the planet. I'm pretty yeah, sure people like, fucking remember how to play baseball. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Yankees disappeared and they just decided it wasn't worth it. That's I don't it. like I it, that part doesn't make sense to me. Like people not being able to adapt to my family is suddenly gone. Fine. But infrastructure would not completely break down. I mean, like, but but like infrastructure would break down, but not in the way that they've depicted. It wouldn't be right, like right. it wouldn't be like the fucking last of us where there's yeah. like garbage bags in the street and shit. Like if half of all living things vanished, it's just that no biome in reality would yeah. function anymore. It's true. Like you you've broken the way things are supposed to well, work. You you probably you've probably also broken most of like the government machine cuz they're just exactly. like they're all the important people like half the important people are gone, they're gone and no one else knows how to like well how do what we do. But, yeah, it, but like, and that just spirals into chaos. I just like I hate to be the annoying pedantic. Like I feel like Some I'm of the, the like, sins guy. I, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm being like plot hole YouTuber. What's the number five? What's the deal with? But like yeah. it like the whole like just change the line. Just just change change the goal from half of all life to like half of all sentient life. Half of all. Uh, talking people because if you're having all life all the people that remain the gut flora the bacteria that lives in our stomachs to keep us healthy like if half of all the gut flora on the planet has just vanished everybody's just gonna be shitting and vomiting for like, like two is weeks that half of yours or like all of mine right, all of yours like it's like do i like have like Am I sitting there and like, I'm fine. And Susan's like, oh, shit, I have to go get probiotic Activia yogurt or I'm going to die. Give me the yogurt. But then the yogurt won't work, Susan, because half the cultures in the yogurt are dead. You can't have cheese anymore. Nobody can make bread. You're playing Russian roulette with your yogurt. Just, but okay. (laughs) The logistics break apart if you think about them for more than a few seconds. I'm, it's true. I'm fine but. that there are immortal god people who can fly thanks to a hammer. Where this breaks down for me is guys making yogurt and bread not work. I, yeah. <sighs> no, it's true. It's very yeah. distracting. Also, also, like, we're t- like decomposition yes. is because of bacteria. Right. So... Nothing. Half the stuff isn't decomposing anymore, or does stuff just take twice as long now? I, it, I, don't, <laughs> I know. We're, okay, so you're getting the okay. weeds here. But something like okay, but something that I really, I really did appreciate uh, uh, about the movie is you see that all of the characters, or yeah, all the characters. As people, yeah. not superheroes, they each have a moment or or a series of moments where you you see them as as humans or gods in Thor's case. Like Thor, 
Thor has not been able to get over the fact that he blew it at the end of Infinity War. He drove his axe into Thanos' heart and Thanos says he should have gone for the head and then he snaps and half the people are gone. And if Thor had just hit him in the head or cut off his hand, everything would have been okay, but he didn't. Yeah. He screwed up. And he can't deal with that guilt. And so he is up in New Asgard drinking himself stupid every day. You see Tony, uh, Tony Stark, who also is just completely guilt-ridden over everything. And he's like, F it, I'm done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Pepper and I'm going to go live a happy life. And they have a little girl. And they come to Tony like, hey, we've got a plan. He's like, I don't care. You go, you go do your plan. I'm going to stay here with my family because this, this is what I have and it's the most important thing in the entire world. Yeah. You know, uh, Captain America sees everything he gave up to be Captain America. Even like Hawkeye, his entire family blinks out of existence and he loses it. Yeah, there's nothing left. He's just Big like time. his brain is just gone. Yeah. He's like, okay, <clears throat> I got all these skills. I don't have a family. Fuck it. I'm going to go kill every person on earth because they're still alive and my family isn't. And he just goes on mur- a murderous rampage across the globe. This is like a, this is a kid's movie, right? Like, I can't, yeah. A kid's movie that is like weirdly about clinical depression. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of a, a kind of a weird thing to foist on people. Um, all right. Before we wrap it up. I'll make one last logistical point, Susan. One last, oh, Jesus. one, one more, one more. Is it where the hell did Gamora go? No. Oh, okay. 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 We got two more. <laughs> like, Gamora just like, just fucking, I don't know. She just goes to Vegas. Like she's just not hanging what? out with everybody. She's just like, she's like, you know, she, she, she meets Peter Quill and then, and then her sister is like, yeah, that's the guy you end up. And she's like, God, really? And she's like, yeah. And I guess she she brings herself to the A and W to get a sandwich or something. She she goes to Wawa. She goes to the Wawa. (laughs) She's like, "Uh, I want a meatball sub with some provolone. Just get just melt it on there. Make sure one slice is cold though. All right, (laughs) this is this is not this is not like super spoiler territory. But like, guess what? Spider Man comes back to life. Spider Man's back to life. Surprise! Yeah, he's got another the, movie. Coming. The star of a new well, movie yeah, that there are yeah, previews for. Yeah. But here's my issue with that: is that at the end, when it's like happy ending for everybody, he's just like back in high school. What fucking high school is he going to? How can he just re-enroll? It's five years later. No school is just going to be open immediately, and like, it's weird. Is, no, dude, I'll, I'll do you one better. <laughs> Why are they still in high school? It's been five years. It's been five years. Why are his friends still there? Did everyone yeah, okay, in his only, school It was vanish? only the one. It was only his one buddy. But, right, like, did you get held back? Why are you not in college? Why are you they not? decided to wait for him. But <laughs> everybody, <laughs> Spider-Man's going to come back. Nobody's graduating until Spider-Man comes back. <laughs> yeah. Everybody go get a job at Radio Shack in the meantime. That's the one store that survived the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> the radio, we made it's it. It's Radio Shack. It's, it's, a, it's a remarkably weird and entertaining movie. Like, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the internet jerkus backlash to begin on Monday. Like, I feel like you always get through, like, the initial, like, everybody's sort of freaking out, and we're going to get to the people being like, oh, the YouTuber the worst, rage starts. The worst yeah, ending yeah. of all time. I, I will say, I, 
I have seen the reaction to it being off the charts positive. Like, I have no words for that. It was practically a religious experience. It was, I'm like, really? Yeah, that's strange. Like, it's, I mean, it's good. It's a good movie. It is a very good conclusion to the MCU. No doubt. I don't have any complaints about it other than silly logistical shit, which who cares? But it's not going to change your life. No, I, I, I don't. I don't get that. I admire how <laughs> for something that is that is, so much money clearly went into. Yeah. That so much money went into. Uh, I like how audaciously weird it is. Like this mm. to me, it's kind of like I, this is why I've kept reading comics into my uh, adulthood is, you know, it's not the formulaic aspect of it. The thing that's wonderful about comics is that it's it's a constant cycle of creators coming in and riffing on formulas. It's doing weird things with formulas. And I never in my life expected somebody to do something so strange. The thing that kept occurring to me while watching this is they, they, they made, like, the exact opposite of uh, Return of the King. You remember, like... Everybody loved Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers. They were so exciting. And then Return of the King was just this belabored, like, wrapping everything up in the most, like, lovely way possible. It's just like a lot of... I hated Two Towers. I thought it was so boring. I, I, you know, I enjoyed Two Towers when it came out, but, like, Return of the King is just this nonstop... five endings and... Five endings, just everybody slowly making Mm. teary-eyed smiles at each other. I hate Mm. that shit. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, like, I, I don't know... I, I it, this is just like a, a it's very very aggressive <laughs> for popular <laughs> entertainment and yeah even if I'm I not will, totally enter, totally like satisfied by that I I admire the audaciousness. I will say there was one thing that did annoy me. Oh, like actively irritated me in the movie. What's that? So, uh, it's the big final fight. They're fighting Thanos. Uh, in the wreckage of the Avengers building. Yeah. And the gauntlet is complete. It's got the stones in it, but Thanos doesn't have it. And they are trying to get it to Hulk or Tony. I forget who they're trying the to get end it zone. to. The end zone. They're trying to get it to they're the end zone. They're trying to get it to the end zone. And it gets passed from character to character. And that's, okay, cute, fine. And it eventually gets handed off to Captain Marvel. And Pete from by Peter Parker and Peter's like, I don't know how you're going to get through all those bad guys. Oh, yeah. I, I, now I know where you're going. <laughs> and there's this for no other. There's no purpose to this. Yeah. Other than straight up pandering. Every female character lines up behind Captain Marvel to help her fight through the Thanos thugs. So that she can get the gauntlet where it needs to go. It's a little. That's it. It's a little patronizing. <laughs> it's super patronizing. First of all, they're not even like they weren't all in the same place on the battlefield. No, Evangeline Lilly has to like leave. Like she was doing something important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, they solved feminism. Okay, it solved. Uh, they did it. They did it. Hooray! It just. It, it it I found it personally offensive. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, no, gang, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't how you do that. 
The whole line I, up all the ladies, and it's like, woo, representation. No, <laughs> that's not how that works. So I haven't seen Captain Marvel. I, I've not. Neither have I. I've not seen that movie. But like, uh, I, I, a lot of people were like, oh man, you know, like it's essential. Like this, this is they made this movie because it, she's going to be such a crucial character to the conclusion. She's in it for like 30 seconds and it makes no fucking sense when she is. <laughs> I know. Just like know. a glowing Jesus lady shows up for 30 seconds. She's like, no, like the, I the did way, it. The way that it's that you guys are describing it, it sounds like they only threw her in, in there because they had to tie her in somehow to the that movie exactly that literally accurate. just came out. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, she, she, she performs one essential function. Yeah. She rescues Tony from outer space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Other than that, it's like, well, shit, I guess she's got to be part of this somehow. Yeah. Uh, rescues maybe, Tony. Yeah. Maybe rescues she rescues Tony from outer space. Uh, again, she- without context, that sounds <laughs> incredible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe she could go back in the time machine and stop young Captain America from making out with his niece. I'm not even talking to you anymore about that. Just wrap the show up. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for bearing through the uh, the spoiler section. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.